Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today, we're Joshua 13, 1-7, and the title is Finish the Game. Finish the Game. And uh, I didn't, forgot to wear my green. I wore my red sweater because of Valentine's Day. I just like, oh, I should wear my green. But, but as you know, I'm sure most of you have heard, the Eagles have won the Super Bowl. <laughs> we talked about all this last week. And uh, yeah, <laughs> and Jesus can come back again now, right? Now, I know some of you are probably thinking, wait, no, don't come till after the Super Bowl, Jesus. Yeah, I know how your thinking works. So, uh, Jesus can come back. We're all ready now. It's, everything's complete. It's ready to go. That was a scary game though, wasn't it? Tom Brady gets the ball back with two minutes left. Just needs a touchdown to win it. And we all knew what was going to happen. My kids were like, shut up, Dad. I'm like, this is, it's over. We all know what's going to happen. Mr. Clutch is going to break our hearts. You know, they had to get that first down. They couldn't give the ball back to this guy. He's going to break our hearts. He had already rallied last year's team, right, from down 28 to 3 in the fourth quarter. What's one touchdown to Tom Brady? Uh, and, uh, he, and it, it was crazy, right? This, he, he had already, uh, on Sunday, already had 500 yards. First of all, he rallied the team how many times in Super Bowls, and last year was the biggest one. He had already thrown for over 500 yards, which was a Super Bowl record. It was inevitable. He was unstoppable. Then he fumbled the ball. He really didn't fumble it. Somebody knocked it out of his hand. The guy made a great defensive play. It really wasn't on Tom Brady. You could blame the line. You could blame anybody. But, but it was a super defensive play, but it counts as a fumble. Now, let me ask you, what do you think Tom Brady is thinking about right now? Assuming he's not in church listening to a sermon, but what do you think he's... <laughs> we won't go there. But anyway, uh, what do you think he's thinking about right now? Five rings? You think he's thinking about his five rings? Do you think he's thinking about the 500 yards? Nope. Yeah. No, he's thinking about the fumble. He's thinking about the fumble. Because that's going to haunt him unless there is an extra, unless, unless he can get his team back to the Super Bowl, which could very well happen, right? Uh, unless he could win another Super Bowl, which he may never get another chance to do. This is all he's, every, everybody's jumping all over this guy. First of all, the Philly people are piling on, on, on him because, you know, we're just kind of mean anyway. But New England fans are cruel too. They're just cruel. Uh, remember the Wes and the Butterfinger candy bars and that's why he left. But, uh, in spite of being the GOAT, greatest of all time, he has become the little G-GOAT, right? He's, he's getting the blame for this. And this fumble is going to be replayed for years and years. They're going to be replaying this fumble because it's such an exciting, one of the most exciting Super Bowls. If, well, obviously the most exciting Super Bowl ever. You know, in Philly, we, we, you know, we believe that. But that could be his... The exclamation point on his amazing legacy is this fumble, as unfair as it is, right? I'm sure if he never gets back to the Super Bowl, it's going to really bug him. It's going to really, really bug him. Many of us as Christians fumble the ball. And we fumble our spiritual legacy. And we're going to see today that we need to finish the game. Finish the game. That's what we're going to see here in Joshua. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for getting us here today. I'm sure many of us have felt like we fumbled our way through the week. 
But we're facing a really tough opponent, far worse than any defensive player. Father, we just pray that you would encourage us and give us your mercy and grace and the hope to get back in the game and and finish the game, finish what you've called us to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's pick it up. Joshua 13. We're just going to do the first seven verses today. When Joshua was old and well advanced in years, the Lord said to him, You are very old. Must be nice to have God reminding us. You know, I... uh, Hey, Josh, you're pretty old. <laughs> he must not have had kids to do it for him, right? You know, a... And there are still very large areas of land to be taken over. This is the land that remains. All the regions of the Philistines and Geshurites from the Shihor River on the east of Egypt to the territory of Ekron on the north. All of it counted as Canaanite the territory of the five Philistine rulers in Gaza, Ashdod, Ashkelon, Gath, and Ekron, that of the Avites from the south, all the land of the Canaanites from Ara and the Sidonians as far as Aphek, the region of the Amorites, the area of the Gebelites, and all of Lebanon to the east from Baal-Gad below Mount Hermon to Lebo-Hamath. As for all the inhabitants of the mountain regions from Lebanon of Mishrath, Maim, that is all the Sidonians, I myself will drive them out before the Israelites. Be sure to allocate this land to Israel for an inheritance, as I have instructed you, and divide it as an inheritance among the nine tribes and half the tribe of Manasseh. The other two and a half tribes got the other side of the Jordan, as we know already. Now I want to focus on two things, if just two really critical things here. No retirement and leaving an inheritance. And this is spiritual, because this is a physical picture, remember, of our spiritual battle. Everything they're going through physically is a picture for us spiritually today. And this, what I want to focus on is no spiritual retirement, we don't get to take one, and leaving a spiritual inheritance. No, no retirement and leaving an inheritance. Now, first of all, we're going to talk about the no retirement. God gives Joshua an important job to do, dividing the land among the 12 tribes of Israel here, the promised land, all spiritual pictures. Now, this is not as physically challenging as fighting. Joshua spent his whole life fighting. His armor's probably rusted on him here. He's been fighting, fighting, fighting his whole life here. It's not as physically challenging, but it's just as vital. Just as vital. The battles are done for Joshua, but this is very important. And this is important for another reason, because Joshua is very old, as God already reminded him. He's probably at least 100 years old right now. Still 100. In fact, it says in Joshua 24, 29, he died at 110. He had a long, productive life. But God kept him busy till the end. And, and the thing that kind of jumps out is God... God doesn't give us a spiritual retirement time. God doesn't promise us social security. He just promises us eternal security, right? He doesn't... God's retirement plan is out of this world. Starts in heaven, right? That's where we get, that's where we get to do it. And it's so easy to get comfortable. It would be easy for him to just get complacent, right? They've fought all these battles, conquered all these people. We saw the long list last week of remembering the victories. He won the Super Bowl. It's time to go to Disney World, right? That's what he's probably, you know, you know, be easy to think that way. It's easy to get comfortable, complacent, and tired. <laughs> Anybody here tired? Uh, 
But our usefulness and our ministry is never done. That's what jumps out at us when God gives them this thing. Our goal should not be to retire spiritually. Job-wise, that's a whole different thing. But but our goal shouldn't be to save up enough money so that we can just sit around and enjoy hardening of the arteries and attitudes, right? That shouldn't be what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, we It really should be to free ourselves up to focus on God's work. The, spending even more time on God's work. I think of Elizabeth and, and how, she, you know, she, remember she went, when we started the church, she went blind, you know, she had the macular degeneration. She goes blind. But she'll tell you she's never done more work and more productive work leading our prayer ministry and helped more people, shepherded more people. She's never done more, accomplished more in her life than she has since she went blind. And, and, and now we all know she's, you know, getting up there close to Joshua's age. But she's still praying for us all the time, praying for so many people. Uh, it, it should free us up to invest in in people when we when we can really re- retire and focus on our our spiritual time it involves invest in people and our kids and in our grandkids our church family the many needy people the many needy kids out there we we live in a culture where so many people are isolated. So many kids are just cast aside. That you know, in the foster care system and all kinds. There's so many people, so many kids out there that that we could minister to, that we can that we can invest in. Now that we have the, so much more time, same thing goes for travel. Uh, you know, it's it's a great time to travel. You, re, you retire. It's a great time to travel. You always want to go some places, but we should include mission trips. And, and, and visiting the missionaries and mission trips, going to the Dominican Republic, you know, doing all kinds of different ways that we can encourage and, and minister with that time. Finances, same thing with finances. We finally get to do a lot, some things that we never got to do before, right, when we retire. But it's also a time to impact God's kingdom, to, to invest in God's kingdom too. New Hope Community Church has a lot of people like this. We call them seasoned citizens, right? Uh, a lot of people like that, that are, are doing the very thing I'm talking about. And I could name lots of names. I'm just going to pick on a couple. I always pick on different people. Jim and Diane. Uh, Jim and Diane, they take early retirement. I won't say how long ago. Years ago, uh, they take the early retirement. I bet you never thought you'd have this medical ministry right now. Uh, what do they do? Every time I call, I can't reach them. They're driving somebody to the hospital or just some visiting somebody at the hospital or taking somebody to the doctor or helping someone out. It's crazy. They're, it's like a full-time job for you guys. It's just crazy. But that's what God freed them up to do that. And then they have the beach house ministry. How many have been at their beach house for something? Youth group retreats and and, and, and small group things. And we had our, one of our church services there, right? One of our first things, we all went to the beach as a whole church when we were a little smaller. We all piled into the beach house. And uh, But that that's that's a way to use, to invest in what God's blessed us with, to, to invest in ministry. And I always encourage people, don't read, I even preached about this one time, don't retire, tire, re Tread. Somebody remember. Thank you. Don't retire. Retread. Retread. So many seasoned citizens. I've done my time. Done my time. Let the younger people take over. I've already done it all. No. You have the experience and maturity now, if not the same energy level. You have the, okay, I'm going to have to say, we have the wisdom. Uh, uh, I was at, we, I'm going to have to say we from now on. I was at Taco Bell recently waiting for Nate. We were getting together for lunch. And, and I walked in and the guy says, can I help you? I said, I'm waiting for my son. He goes, oh, well, do you want your free soda? I said, what free soda? You know, I didn't know about this code. He goes, 
well, 55 and over, you get a free soda. I'm like, <laughs> and I turned to him, I said, what makes you think I'm 55? No, I thought that. I'm like, how did he know I was 55? But I said, thank you, yes, what else do I get, you know? <laughs> I was seething inside, but it cooled me off drinking my free soda. But uh, we have the wisdom, the credibility, the, the tact, the handle, you know, the, the lead the church to make the difficult decisions like Joshua dividing the land. That was a tactical, tricky thing. That's why it's not called the toddler board. It's called the elder board, right? Uh, but also, something, you see how God said there's all this work still to be got done here? It's important as we get older and we're fighting it out, is, is sometimes we get discouraged. Ah, what's the point? All the things I was trying to do and accomplish, it's not getting accomplished. But look at what God said. He didn't say, Josh, you didn't finish everything. He said, no, you did what I called you to do. But don't be discouraged if everything that we set our heart on or, or, or aiming at, our, our spiritual goals, don't be upset if we don't accomplish them all. In fact, God gives us the encouragement in Hebrews 11, where he says, in verse 39, where he says, He's talking about the hall of faith, the faithful people throughout history. And he says, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Wow. God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Saying, this hall of faith people, even they didn't, all the things that were promised to them and they were fighting for weren't achieved. But God was, they were part of that chain, the link in the chain for accomplishing that. So don't be discouraged if, if, if we, everything that we set our heart on isn't accomplished. Joshua was faithful. Back to Joshua 13. He was faithful, but he, he but it was left to generation next. The next generation to finish the fight. God had a purpose in that. There was a purpose in why he left some. In fact, Judges 3. In Judges 3, verse 1, it talks about God's reason for leaving some battles still to fight. He said, these are the nations the Lord left to test all those Israelites who had not experienced any of the wars in Canaan. Now get this. He did this only to teach warfare to the descendants of the Israelites who had not had previous battle experience. The five rulers of the Philistines, all the Canaanites, the Sidonians, and the Hivites living in Lebanon mountains from Mount Belhermon to Lebo Hamath. Where did we just hear all this, right? Verse 4, they were left to test the Israelites to see whether they would obey the Lord's commands which he had given their forefathers through Moses. They were left to test them. God left them to test them. And he also left them to teach them how to fight spiritual battles. Very important. God had a purpose. God had a purpose. You see the history of slavery. And you see the history of slavery and one of the great, you know, I don't know if you've seen Amazing Grace, the Wilberforce story. Christians fought that battle for hundreds of years before it was overturned. Even in this country, the Christians were the driving force of the abolitionist movement. The Christians, but boy, you, you read the book Amazing Grace about, about Wilberforce, and you see the battles that that guy fought in Parliament and the years that he struggled. And by God's grace, he got to see the conclusion, but there was still slavery around the world. We still had to fight a civil war to get rid of it here. It was crazy. And, and yet, you see that he, there were many, many Christians over years that never got to see the slaves set free, but they fought that battle. 
I see the same thing with, with abortion today, which is the new slavery. It's a new, tragic, horrendous plague on this country. And yet we see Christians fighting tooth and nail, scratching, fighting, praying, battling. And, and we don't know if we're going to ever see the stoppage, but we could be part of it. And, and that's another spiritual battle, a demonic spiritual battle that has to be fought by Christians that have to, that have to lead this battle and fight this battle. Don't be discouraged. Just as we, just as we leave an inheritance, we may not finish all that we have our hearts set on. We may not see its completion, but God's going to complete his purpose. So we have to leave it to the next generation, generation X, and we have to leave an inheritance. An inheritance. That's the second part. No retiring. The second thing is an inheritance. Let me just read these verses again back in Joshua 13. In Joshua 13, verse 6, where it says, As for all the inhabitants of the mountain regions from Lebanon to Misrephah, I always have trouble with that one, Misrephoth, Maim, that is all the Sidonians, I myself will drive them out before the Israelites. Be sure to allocate this land to Israel for an inheritance, as I have instructed you, and divide it as an inheritance among the nine tribes and half the tribe of Manasseh. Joshua left this land as an inheritance. He left it as an inheritance. But he also left them a battle to fight. Did you follow that? He left them an inheritance, and he left them a battle to fight. And the same goes for us today. As parents, and even as spiritual leaders, whether you have physical children or spiritual children, we must leave our children and this next generation, generation next, a godly inheritance, a godly heritage. And we must, just like Joshua, we must prepare them for the spiritual battles they will fight. Very important. We have to leave them the inheritance and prepare them, the heritage, and prepare them for the spiritual battles they must fight. This physical battle, this lesson with a physical country is a spiritual lesson for us today. Whether we're a seasoned citizen or new parents or young and leading other people to Christ, doesn't matter what age, we, the same thing. We have to leave, uh, uh, we have to, to leave this, the same thing. A godly heritage and... Uh, Prepare them for spiritual battles. Many parents, even Christians, prepare their children academically. Boy, they work them over academically. That's Kim's job. All right, so they, they work, they, they prepare them academically. They try to help them do well in school. It's awesome. And then athletically, boy, that, that's my job. Athletically, we, uh, you know, we, we really teach our kids how to hit the ball and throw the ball and shoot the basket and run or whatever they do. You know, we, we make sure that you know, we, we work. So many of us put so much effort into their academics and athletics, but I see many ne- neglect. The spiritual. Now, it's okay to push the academics and athletics, but those are really secondary issues, aren't they? What do we put the most effort into? The most energy. I know it takes more time, all that school and stuff, but what do we put the most? What is our priority? What is our focus? What are we really aiming at with our kids? Very, very important. And just as we leave an inheritance hopefully, <laughs> to be divided among our kids. Good luck, kids. Uh, my kids, but, but just, as we, just as we leave that, you know, 13 pieces, right? Just as we leave that inheritance to be divided among our kids, 
We must leave a spiritual inheritance. Far more important what we leave spiritually to our kids, right? Way, way more important. The money's going to disappear. Moth and rust destroy. Can't take a U-Haul to heaven, right? But spiritually, what are we leaving to our kids? What are we leaving to them? Very, very important that we divide, uh, leave a spiritual inheritance. Deuteronomy 6 is a great passage to tell us how to leave that inheritance to our kids. In Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9, it says, classic, classic passage. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. You want to impress your kids? <laughs> this is it. This is how we impress our kids. Faith. Faith should be a, is, is a vital part, should be a vital part of everyday life. Let me ask you something. If I know most of you are Eagles fans. After leading up to the Super Bowl, did you talk about the Eagles with your kids? Did you watch the game? Did you take them to the parade? Did you talk about it since the Super Bowl? You just got to let it go. It's, it's all over. It's, it's probably all you talked about, right? And, and you'll probably be talking about that for a long time. You know, some of you know soccer fans. I see some soccer fans shaking their heads. But anyway, but, but, but my point is this. Something like that, we just kind of, it's just natural. You just talk about it. How much more? How much more talking about God in, in spiritual life, in the spiritual battles? Just as it's natural to talk about a football team, which is very temporary. Sorry, there won't be an Eagles trophy in heaven. Sorry about that. But it's, it's temporary. How much more vital is it to, 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 that spiritual heritage, just talk about and, and just let it be part of your life. It doesn't have to be, okay, everybody sit down, I'm going to read the Bible to you guys. It just should be part of our life. It should just be part of our conversation. And, and talking about their spiritual battles. The kids are always fighting spiritual battles. Or people that, who are younger in the faith than you or your Christian friends. It should just be part of our, it should just be part of our life, right? That's what he's trying to say here in Deuteronomy. To impress your kids, it just got to be part of your life. And faith just has to be part of our conversation. Just as natural as talking about Baseball or football or school or, or anything. Just, it's just natural to just let faith be part. Let them share it. It doesn't have to be banging them on the head, banging them on the head. It's just naturally sharing about God, talking about God. It's just to be part of life. Are we impressing the next generation? Are we impressing those who are younger in the faith than us? Are we leaving a spiritual inheritance? Who has God... Put into your life to impact, to impress, to impact, to leave a heritage with. It could be your kids. It could be anyone, anybody, younger in the faith. It could be someone that, who, you, who's just becoming a Christian, that you've helped become a Christian. That's your, that's your, they're, they're your, your heritage. Are we, are, we lead, are we impressing that next group that God has put in our life? Who has God put into your life? What purpose... Has God given you? We know Joshua's purpose was to take the promised land. What purpose has God given you? What is your purpose? 
Every one of us has a God-given purpose. What is your purpose? What is your spiritual battle? We've all been called to fight a spiritual battle. What is your spiritual battle? Will you continue to fight that battle? Or maybe you've taken a retirement spiritually, just as we retire physically. Maybe you've taken spiritual retirement early, and it's time to retread, get back in the game, right? We all need R&R. Now, listen, you know we all need R&R. We all, you're in a battle, you need R&R, you get off the front lines, but then we have to get back, we have to recharge, and then we have to get back into the game. We've got to finish the game. We have to get back in the game. I'm sure, watching the Super Bowl, I'm sure two minutes left, that defenseman who caused the fumble, what was his name? See, we only know the quarterback's name, right? Uh, Brant? Graham, thank you, Graham, Graham, Graham. I already forgot it. Graham, I'm sure he was tired. I'm sure he was exhausted. I'm sure he was discouraged. He had just spent the whole game, almost the whole, all, all but two minutes, trying to get to this Tom Brady guy. And he couldn't get there. Wasn't it frustrating? The whole time, I'm like, get to him. Put pressure on that guy. They couldn't get to him. They laid a finger on the guy. I'm sure he was discouraged and tired and exhausted. But he didn't quit. He went when it was time when they got the ball back. He went back in. He didn't say to the coach, I'm too tired. I can't get that guy. He's too good. No, he went back in the game and he played his heart out. And by some miracle, he got the ball. He knocked the ball loose. And that is us. We, we have to get back in the game. No matter how tired, no matter how battered we are, we have to get back in the game. Maybe you are here today, and it's not getting back in the game, but maybe you have fumbled the ball. You ever fumble the ball? Don't raise your hand. I could raise two hands, right? Maybe we fumbled the ball. But the great thing about being a Christian is the game is never over. The game is never over. God's mercy and grace are always there. We can always get back in the game. No matter how many times we fumble, we can get back in the game. The game is never over. God's mercy and grace is always there. In fact, Lamentations 3, one of the great passages, Jeremiah writes it. They're in the countries in bondage because of their sin. And yet he says in Lamentations 3, verse 21, he says, yet this I call to mind. And therefore I have hope. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That's a great song too, isn't it? God's mercy and grace is always there. We can pick up the ball and get back in the game and finish the game at any time. We can always pick up the ball any time and get back in the game and then finish the game. What Paul talked about in 2 Timothy 4, 7 where he said, I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished the race. Will you get back in the game? Even if we fumble, it's never too late to be used by God. It's never too late. 
no matter how bad we fumbled. It's never too late. And I'll give you a great example. The thief on the cross. Turns to Jesus on his deathbed. He's nailed to the cross. He's on his last breath. And he turns to Jesus. Remember me when you come to your kingdom. Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. That guy, with his dying breath, has given more people hope. Right? Has given more people hope. Has inspired millions and millions of people. That if God can save that guy, he can save me. If God can accept that guy, he can accept me. If I will put my faith in Jesus. Maybe you need that hope today. Maybe you're not a Christian yet. Maybe like the thief on the cross, you're at the end of your rope. But you can reach out to Jesus in faith and he will forgive anything. He will give anybody brand new life. Life that starts here the moment we pray a prayer of faith and give our life to him and it goes on into all eternity. Life doesn't start in heaven someday. It starts the moment you put your faith in Jesus. That's a brand new life that God gives us a brand new life. Our Joshua, Jesus, same word, Jesus, our G Joshua, Jesus, has left us an inheritance by dying on the cross. He died on that cross in our place to give us an inheritance of life. John 10.10, 10, he said, the, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Talking about Satan. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And every person here could have that life if you will put your faith in Jesus Christ. You can have that life now and forever with God by faith. John 6, 47, Jesus said, and this is a great verse, hang on to it. I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. He who believes has everlasting life. Let's pray. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus? Have you ever received life through Jesus Christ? Every one of us, if we will believe in Jesus, we can have that life. You may be believing in him right now for the first time. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Showing you why Jesus died on that cross. To take our sin, to take our punishment, to take God's wrath on himself. Our judgment on himself. So that we could have life by putting our faith in him. By giving our life to him. just takes a simple prayer of faith 
It's nothing we can earn. It's nothing we can do. There's no religious right. There's no religious person we need to go through. It's through Jesus alone. A simple prayer of faith. God, forgive me. I don't want the sin. I don't want the garbage anymore. I turn away from that life. Please forgive me. Because I'm putting my faith in your son Jesus. I'm going to follow him. I surrender my life to you, God. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. You now have a life forever with God, and it starts right now. You now have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. You can go to him anytime, anywhere, for anything. I want to encourage you, if you have given your life to Jesus today, that you tell someone. Maybe you came with a friend or family member. Tell me on the way out. Fill out a card. Stick it in the box. Text me. Call me. Let somebody know. Because we're going to encourage you in your new life and help you really understand all that we have in Christ, the new life that we have in Christ. Maybe you've already put your faith in Christ, and, but how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us, each one of us? Maybe you've been so worn out that you've put the car in neutral just coasting through. But the Holy Spirit is saying, I want you back in the battle. I want you to finish this game. I've got, I've got important things for you to do. I have people for you to impact for eternity. Who is that person God is putting on our heart? And we just haven't responded, but we say, God, I'm going to reach out. I'm going to invest in that person as tired as I am. Maybe it's a battle God is calling you to fight. And you've been discouraged and maybe you've even quit the battle, but God's saying, it's my battle. I don't need you to finish this. I just want you to be faithful where I've called you. Father, we pray that you would give us a spirit of hope today, a spirit of encouragement. I pray that we wouldn't waste this life but we would live out your purpose, each one of us. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen.